You ever been in a situation where you feel outnumbered, overpowered, underprepared, inexperienced, basically in over your head? That's a great phrase for a terrible situation, right? Just the, the mountain is too high, the hole is too big, like the, the valley is too wide. Just basically in a situation that you, that you can't get out of. That phrase, in over my head, is a, a great, really tight description of the passage that we're going to look at, the Old Testament character that we're going to look at today. His name is Gideon. And what happened? Hello? Check, one, two. I got plenty of battery. Can you bring me that handheld, please? I just, the people online, like, won't. It's coming through there? Oh. All right, very good. All right, so, Gideon, right? Here's a little warning. The, the temptation with these Old Testament stories is to think about, you know, we've talked about Hagar, we talked about Abraham, we talked about Moses, and be like, Let's look at those guys and see what we can learn from them. Let's be like Hagar. Let's be like Moses. Which we can learn a lot from them, but what I think is more important and the whole reason behind this series is that so we can grow in our knowledge and personal experience of who God is. We want to we focus today on, on what it is that God says and does in this encounter with Gideon. Before I read you the passage, quick kind of catch-up. This is from the book of Judges, right? So this is after the time of Moses, after the time of Joshua. The Israelites are kind of settled in their land, but they keep getting, like, attacked by these random, random groups of people. And some of it is other people just being malicious. Some of it is God's judgment. What's really interesting in the time of the Judges is uh, there's this phrase that repeats itself over and over and over, over again. And they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Right? That's basically, there were no chapters in the day when they wrote it, but that's basically a new section. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. God would send them a judge, somebody to lead them in battle against external enemies and to help settle their disputes, like if they had internal fracases going on. And the judges would lead the people. And the judge, whenever there was a judge in place, the people did great. When they had somebody to guide them and direct them, and when a judge passed away or whatever, whatever happened, the people lost their minds and would look at all the countries around them and they would specifically, their struggle was with serving the Baals, B-A-A-L-S, the gods of, the, of the, surrounding, the surrounding countries. So time after time after time, the people would turn their eyes from God. They would look at these other gods and serve these other, these other gods. So that's, that's the backdrop of where we're at. We're picking up in Judges chapter 6. I would encourage you on your own to read. We're not going to read the entirety of Gideon's story because it's like three chapters, but to finish, you know, read the next couple chapters in um, the, book of, the book of Judges. This is chapter 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. They were attacked over and over and over. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. 
They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Seven years of being attacked, and it took seven years for the people to cry out, <laughs> to cry out to God. Uh, it was uh, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Johas the Ibezerite, and where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Remember that phrase, please. Threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay. This is a threshing floor, kind of a wide open circle with a little bit of a wall around it. Lots of space. They would take the, gra the grain, the wheat, whatever it was, throw it up in the air. The wind would blow, and it would separate the chaff from the wheat, like the, the good part. That's how they would do it. Gideon is doing, he's trying to take care of the wheat in a wine press, right? He's literally in over his head. He is down in the ground trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. I, I don't know how deep that is, but it looks like it's probably over the average guy's height. So that's, that's the image that this is, this is Gideon, this is what, what he's doing. He's hiding in a wine press. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go, this is Gideon, now please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abezerites. The Lord is Peace. Now, there's a lot of things out of our context, a lot of unleavened bread and threshing and stuff that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And usually I will go through, I'll try to go through a passage verse by verse and break all that stuff down. I'm not going to do that this time. We're going to take a look at the things that Gideon said 
and what the implications of those are, and we're going to look at the things that the Lord said and did and what he extends to us and how Gideon ends up being able to, in the midst of this, being able to say, the Lord is peace. All right, so this is Gideon. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. How can I save Israel? Gideon talking about himself. And give me a sign. Gideon's obstacles, right? What those things tell us about Gideon. The, the, there was sin involved there. That, that first verse. But the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord over and over and over is trying to tell these people, hey, I'm right here, I'm right here. Look, look over here, I'm right here. And they keep going after these other gods, right? So our, our sin, when specifically when there's something in our life that takes the place of God, that's what they were guilty of, right? When we try to decide what's right and wrong on our own without God's counsel, when we try to play God and make things happen that aren't kind of in our jurisdiction to make happen. That's what the people were doing, and that's what got them in this position. Now, there's a lot of terrible stuff in the world that people do to each other, but sometimes we make our own bad decisions, and we get ourselves jammed up, and that's the situation that the people were in. He was distracted Right? So we get distracted by things. He was distracted by the people who were swarms of locusts who were coming in to invade them. Right? Rather than fixing his eyes on Jesus, he was fixed on the problem at hand. How he was outnumbered, how he was undermanned, how he was outgunned. He was distracted. It kept him from being able to experience God and all that God had for him. And then there was fear. Right? The people were hiding they were living in caves. They left their homes and were living in caves. Gideon was trying to do his work hiding in a wine press down below the surface so Midian wouldn't see him. If you guys were here last week, we talked about um, a couple weeks ago about the idea of relational circus, right? And when we experience these big, sometimes ugly emotions, fear is one of them, sadness, shame, despair, anger, there's one other one, uh, disgust, right? When we experience those things, they cause our part of our brain to shut down. And the part of our brain that shuts down is the part that allows us to connect not just with other people, but with God, right? So fear can get in, in the way. What does the Lord say? What does the Lord say to Gideon? You have not listened to me. The Lord is with you. And he calls a mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have. Am I not sending you? I will be with you. I will wait until you return. And peace, do not be afraid. So what are the things that God offers to Gideon? He offers him truth, presence, provision, patience, authority, and mission. God loved Gideon enough, and he loves us, us enough to not get away with our shenanigans. You have sinned. He calls us, just like any good parent, if their kid is acting a fool and doing something stupid, their parent is going to call them on it and try and help redirect them. Right? God, is, Jesus is the truth, but he also brings the truth to us. And then this idea of God's presence. He says, the Lord is with you. This, I, 
I really hope, my hope and prayer is that you guys get tired of hearing from me that God is with you. I, re- I really do. Because it's not until that point that we will stop and recognize, okay, if God really is with me, if he is who he says he is, and he wants to be with me all the time, and he's glad to be with me, why, am I, why can't I see him? Why can't I feel him? Why can't I experience him? He is with us all the time. All the time. And it's God's presence that becomes Gideon's strength. Go in the strength you have. It's God's presence that is Gideon's strength. And so here's the thing. Like Gideon, Gideon said, I'm the least of the least. I'm the worst of the worst. Jesus has been doing, this is, can I get real with you guys for a second? Nobody's going to finish that for me? Thank you. Um, that was my wife. It's a quote from Hamilton. <laughs> Jesus has been doing some work on me this week. And I have the opposite problem of Gideon, right? I, I hate my own weakness. I, I hate the thought of being perceived as incapable or unsuccessful at anything. I don't like asking for help. I don't like asking for help from God or from others. And I'm laying in bed this week, and I just, this wasn't like an audible voice. Like a lot of times when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it's just our thoughts, right? And I became overwhelmingly aware of the fact that I am addicted to self-sufficiency. I'm addicted to self-sufficiency. And it wasn't, it wasn't condemning it wasn't harsh. It did not make me feel bad about myself. You know what, you know what it did in reality? I, like, I was like, <sighs> it was a relief. Living addicted to self-sufficiency is exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. The place where God resides, the place where his strength is most evident is in our weakness. If I had half a brain, I would bring all of my weakness, I would admit all of it to God and let him work in it and through it. And that's where his truth and his presence come together, right? The truth of who God is and what he can do and wants to do in us. And then his presence walking, walking with us. And that's what gave Gideon his strength. That's what made him a mighty warrior. God offers provision Right? He gives Gideon his identity. He speaks to him. He's like, he calls him mighty warrior, this guy who's referring to himself as least of the least. God knew Gideon before he was born. He made him, wired him, wonderfully, fearfully made, and he calls him mighty warrior. He was speaking to him. He's like, hey, this is who you really are. Whatever your family has told you, whatever you think of yourself, whatever you see when you look in the mirror, this is the truth. This is what you really are. He gave him that identity. And the other thing that you see in chapter 7 and 8, which I didn't read, was God provides others to Gideon. Not as many as Gideon. He starts out with 32,000. God says, no, 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 too many. And he keeps whittles, whittling it down, gives Gideon 300 guys. And it's with those 300 people that God wins the battle in a way that can only be credited to, to God. So Gideon does end up saved. God saves the day through Gideon. So it's happy ending. Um, so God provides identity, and he, pro- he provided other, other people. God is infinitely patient. 
He's infinitely patient. Gideon goes to God three different times. Basically like, God, you sure? Are you, are you really sure? Right, first with the, he, he's standing there talking to God and he's like, God, wait a minute, I'll be right back. You tell the God of the universe, wait a minute, I'll be right back. And he goes and he cooks up a meal and he brings it back. Poof, okay. I, and that, that's when he's like, oh, sovereign Lord. But two more times after that, when God is trying to motivate Gideon into action, Gideon's like, all right, God, um, I'm going to put my hoodie over here on the ground overnight, and I want that hoodie to be wet and everything else to be dry. Just that be wet with dew. It's exactly what happens the next morning. Gideon's like, God, one more time, one more time, putting a different hoodie out there. I want the hoodie to be dry and everything else to be wet. Exactly as it happened. You got, God is infinitely patient. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows, like, he knew Gideon. And he knew Gideon needed that, that, re, that reassurance. And the last piece is authority and, and mission, right? Um, he, sa- he says, am I not sending you? I will be with you. Am I not sending you? Throughout the pages of Scripture, the people of God hear from God, go. Go to the land I'm giving you. Jonah heard, go to Nineveh, right? We hear um, to Peter and Paul, go to the Gentiles. We hear Jesus saying to us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. God's people have always been a sent people. Gideon has the authority of God and the mission that was given him. So all of this stuff leads Gideon to a place where he says, the Lord is peace. That's the name that he gives God. He said, the Lord is peace. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, Leanne shared with us that definition of peace, some, some synonyms, wholeness, completeness, safety. Those are the things that Gideon experienced. Those are the things that God wants us to experience, right? If if God resides in our weakness and he resides there in strength, that's how he resides, he also resides there in peace. And scripture tells us that that peace passes understanding. It's incomprehensible. It's incomprehensible. God offers, um, he, he, scripture calls him the God of peace. We are offered the peace of God. We are called to be peace makers we are called to be peacemakers and most importantly as i pointed out when we were talking when i was introing baptism is that we have peace with god through jesus through his life death and resurrection the peace of god is a powerful 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 thing right so how do we go about accessing it how do we um, overcome those obstacles and so uh, the people in the book of Judges, it says that they, um, well, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but it also there was an entire generation that grew up and did not know or fear the Lord. They did not know or fear the Lord. So here are the two things that I would suggest to you that we, uh, we have got to intentionally pursue, right? The first one is knowledge of God. And the second one is an experience of him. Knowledge of God is most 
primarily and directly come through the pages of Scripture. So we have got to be people of Scripture. I know there are parts of it that are difficult. There are parts of it that are challenging. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Um, but that's not, that's not an excuse, right? We have to, we got to do the, what sometimes can be the hard work. We got to ask for help. We got to engage Scripture so we grow in the knowledge. And in Scripture and, and in my life and in the lives of others, the way that we most often, arguably, experience God is through other people. It's through other people. We need to be there for each other. Other people need to be there for us. So I have two challenges for you this week as I encourage you to climb up out of your wine press, right? The first one is this. I said that God offers his presence and he is always with us. Psalm 46, verse one. God is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's always with us. The rest of Psalm 46 is beautiful and there's some really applicable stuff to what's going on in the world right now and there. I would encourage you to read Psalm 46 at least once every day. I think it's like 10 verses. Might take you a minute. I would encourage you to spend longer and kind of meditate on it, but that's going to be our goal, our challenge for this week to grow in knowledge is to read Psalm 46, okay? The challenge to experience God through other people is I would like you to reach out to somebody in this room or somebody who's usually in this room if they're not here. And I would encourage you to make it not one of your usual suspects, right? If there's somebody, if there's people who you typically hang out with, that's great, that's awesome, but add somebody else to that, to that line of communication. Encourage somebody. And I'm challenging each and every person to do this. Please don't sit back and wait to hear from somebody. Right? You be the one to take, to take the initiative. Right? You be the one to extend, to extend yourself. Got that? Psalm 46? Text, phone call, email, coffee, hangout. Go do something with somebody else. All right? God is peace. Just like Gideon called him, the Lord is peace. He wants us to experience that peace all the time. All the time. So let's help each other climb out of that wine press and live in that peace. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Um, thank you for your peace. Thank you that you are peace. God, especially in these crazy days, um, when there's so much going on that we don't understand, there's violence, there's pain, there's suffering. God, we ask that you would bring your peace. That you would bring your peace to us as individuals. You would bring your peace to us as a community. God, that you would make us conduits of your peace. We would be peacemakers. Father, we ask that you would move super, supernaturally and bring peace um, in Israel. God, that you would bring uh, peace in Ukraine. God, you would bring peace to the parts of Africa that are all torn up right now. God, that you would bring peace. That you would reveal yourself. God, that you would um, move in power in your people to do things they didn't think they could do to help bring peace. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen.